What is up, my friends? I hope that you're all having a wonderful day from wherever it is that you're listening to my voice. Hope that you're all getting plenty of time in the water, whatever body of water is closest to you. I want to recommend a book that I've been digging. Uh, it's called Barbarian Days by William Finnegan, A Surfing Life. I'm trying to get this guy on the podcast. Um, he's just an excellent writer and a, a really good storyteller. It's been making me want to uh, go on some surf trips. It's exciting. Uh, my morning routine lately has been to pour myself a cup of mud water and dig into his book. I didn't used to be a reader. Uh, that happened for me later in life. Uh, when I was in school, I would always do the bare minimum um, of what was asked. And I wasn't a very good student at all. But then after I graduated high school, uh, I found that all of the people who I respected were readers and writers. So it kind of hit me like, huh, if I want to be anything close to the people who I respect, I should probably start reading a little bit. And uh, one thing that was that was helpful for me um, was to set the stakes super low when I started reading more. Um, books can feel really kind of like uh, big and audacious for me, especially if it's a thick one. So I'll just say like, OK, I'm going to sit down and read three pages out of this book. That's it. No, I do it first thing in the morning, so nothing else distracts me before I check my phone or anything. I just open a book, read three pages, and most of the time I'll read five or ten, and on a good day I'll sit down for 45 minutes and read. But um, it is a muscle that develops, and that it's, it's really cool to uh, start reading more and feel myself uh, become a clearer thinker as a result. It doesn't even matter what the subject matter is in the book. Um, as long as I'm reading, I can think more clearly, and that, that feels good. One of my least favorite feelings in the world is, um, is having muddy thoughts, um, cloudy, cloudy thoughts. So William Finnegan's book, Barbarian Days, I recommend that. Thank you, everyone who donates to this podcast. This is an ad-free podcast, and I rely on people like you to support me via Patreon. So if you get value out of this show, please consider donating on my website, kyle.surf, or you can click the link below this podcast, and that will take you straight to my Patreon page. If you want to know more about the books that I recommend, you can head over to my website, kyle.surf slash book club, and check out all of my favorite reads. This podcast is with my good buddy, Malachi. He shapes me a lot of my surfboards. He's a really... Um, really good dude, deep thinker, and skilled craftsman. Um, so we talk surfboards and traveling and tales of adventure. So um, I hope that you enjoy this episode of my show with Malachi. Kyle Tierman here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. To me, the communication aspect of it is probably the most important. I think that anybody who's, you know, getting custom surfboards, the communication part is the most important part of your surfing and improving your surfing. Yeah. As a surfer, 
but it's also the same for the shaper, right? Like we, you and I have had this conversation where, um, you know, communication from the surfer, especially somebody who's a higher caliber surfer to the shaper is what's going to make everyone's boards better. Right. So, um, as much as, you know, your ego wants to hear that the boards are good. Um, it doesn't matter that much if they're, if they're really good, it's the negative feedback that counts the most. Well, it's also a philosophy on life. Learning how to take feedback is something that people who get really good at shit, uh, all know how to take well. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes it hurts, you know, like we have, a. You know, one person in particular that always comes to mind is Johnny Kraft. You know, like a lot of people know who he is and yeah. a lot of people don't know who he is, but great surfer from he, central California. Oh my God. He's like a CT quality surfer all day yeah. long. You know, when you surf with him, you see it and, and you feel it in a surfing, but like he'll be the first person to give you back a board and say, this board sucks That's straight great. up. He'll yeah. just give it back to you and say, this board sucks. And this is what I, you know, sometimes you can't always communicate what exactly it is he's feeling, but we've i've kind of intuitively learned to read and understand his communication and and what's going on and what he's feeling and then putting it in the boards and making sure that the next one's better right because then when a customer gets it they have all that in there all the engineering is there what uh what have been some of the most helpful pieces of feedback that you've gotten i think um it a lot of it responds to epoxy or relates to epoxy um i think that when i first started building surfboards there was definitely not, not to go too deep, but there's definitely like a, an engineering issue that I found out, you know, early on between using those, you know, borderline sustainable products and surfboards and everybody, you know, knows that, you know, epoxy is much different than poly. And what I think a lot of people do is they make a board, you know, out of poly and you, you, you know, you train yourself on shaping that board and you, you get the engineering down and you, and you, you finish it and you're like, okay, this is great. And then you might make one like an inch shorter and then make it out of epoxy and maybe it doesn't work as good right? It's, it feels totally different. Well, the foundation of the board is not the same. So why should the rocker be the same? Why should the foil be the same? Any of those things. And, and a good example would be when I first started working with Johnny, you know, he was writing for CI and, um, you know, we would, I started making him you know, poly boards and epoxy boards and we'd go back and forth and back and forth. And then finally we nailed an epoxy board. And then he's like, well, all my other boards are poly and they worked really, really good. And this board works really, really good. So I want one in poly gave it to him. Everything was the same. You know, I, I couldn't have done it any more of the same and it didn't work as good. So then kind of the light bulb went off that maybe these sustainable materials are not an issue. Like maybe the material itself is not an issue. It's the foundation and changing the actual materials and re-engineering them for that specific material. You know, so like, so now when we start testing a board, we'll test it in epoxy. Right. So what does a sustainable material mean? I think it's a, I think First of all, you know, you were working with sustained surf right now and maybe, you know, people, maybe they wouldn't be too stoked on it, but I feel like, um, the materials are not all there, you know, they're not a hundred percent like sustainable. You can't stick this thing in the ground and then make it go away, you know, but, but to me, a sustainable material is something that you can reuse and use over again to try to maximize the life of the product, which we can with our boards all the time. You know, you can grind them up and make new surfboards out of them. They could have 10 lives, you know, that that's, that's key. That's part of sustainability to me or and limiting the amount of trash that you put back on the earth, right? Right. So, so you don't just use it once and then it goes into the dump. Hopefully not. Yeah. Yeah. And and also, um, I think the biggest component of sustainability is how long does it last? Well, if the board lasts twice as long and you make a series of, you know, a thousand boards in a row that all last twice as long in the others, you're, you know, I guess you have like, what, half the trash or something. Yeah. So, you so know, for do, that time period. So how does that work? Like, let's say I get a board from route one, I snap it in half how does that board end up becoming a new board? 
Well, working with Marco, which is you know one of our main product sources, right? Marco Foam. Love Marco. Um, those guys are, are awesome at what they do. You literally can just strip the fiberglass off of it and send it back and throw it through a grinder and make new boards out of it. it that's wow. the that's the most basic you know uh, way to do. And then we can also make your boards out of old boards. We can make them out of you know recycled blanks that have been made out of. Uh, it's a low number right now. I feel like it's like thirty percent or something recycled foam, but you know, you're not getting a completely virgin blank. It's been made, or you can also just make surfboards out of broken boards, right? Like yeah. you could just take a foam, like a foamy or something and, and rip the skin off of it and then reshape it by hand and into another board. Why can't you do that with uh, regular poly boards? Um, I think it's just the chemical components and you can't like reblow it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not like a chemist, but um, you know, I, I've, I've never seen it done. I mean, you, you could rip this fiberglass off of one like I did with my first board. Yeah. My first board was a board that was too big for me, and I ripped the fiberglass off of it and uh, and uh, just reshaped it. It wasn't the best board. I know. I want to start shaping boards, and I'm thinking that I should just start shaping boards that I've broken in half, like bigger boards that I've broken in half, because I know I'm going to fuck up the first 10 times. Yeah. So I want it to be as low stakes as possible. I think that's a good way to do it. I think you'll learn, like going the long way like that, you'll you'll learn. Um, when, I mean, that's the way I did it. You know, my the way I started shaping was, you know, I had a, a brand new CI that I got ran over um, surfing uh, Montera up north, and uh, the board was just creased in half. And someone back up out of the out of the parking lot. Yeah, just, no, he, no, he just ran me over with his longboard. Oh, lineup, oh, while you're you know, in the lineup, like just the guy just ate it, and his board flew out towards the shoulder, and I flipped the board over to protect my face, yeah, and it and it creased it right in half. The the fin did, but Ouch. so then um, you know I went home and um, I didn't really have the money for like a new one, and my dad was like, you know, you could do this. Like there's, there's nothing about this that you can't do. You know, you've been building your whole life and you've been using tools your whole life. There's nothing about this you can't do. And he just pushed me to do it. He's like, if you, you know, what does it matter if it works or doesn't work? You made it. Yeah. So, um, so go for it. My, my thing to everybody would be, you should always, you should, everybody should shave board. Yeah. If you can, everyone should try to do it. You'll also learn a tremendous amount about your serving. I say that uh, about podcasts. I think that everyone should record three podcasts mm-hmm. just to learn how to ask better questions. Even if you don't want to do yeah. it full on, you're going to be asking people questions throughout your life and you're going to be surfing surfboards throughout your life. So why not learn how to engage in the medium one step further in such a low stakes way? Like as you did, you, you creased your board. It's either going to go in the dump or you're going to do something else with it. So yep. why not? Yeah. So where did you shape it? Was it like, it, 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 did you have a shaping shack? No, or? I shaped it in my dad's garage in Marina and I didn't have a shaping planner either. I didn't have a skill and I didn't have a Tachi. So um, I did it with a Bosch planner. And it didn't really work at first, so we modified it. You know, um, it, it was too sharp on the edges, and it was too flat, and it wasn't cutting deep enough, and all those things. So my dad and I just modified it in the garage, and then we just went for it. Nice. Is your pop shapeboards? Nope. No? Never. But you're both builders, he's, it sounds he's like. He's so uh, not in tune with surfing in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> but he's a he's an excellent tradesman. You know, we've been building since I was a kid, so... And we build houses. I mean, that's kind of what we do for a living, you know, is build custom houses. You and your dad do? Yep. Nice. Which is where it all came from. Right. right? using your hands and using the tools for your whole life. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. He also, you know, forced school on me too. So I got a little bit of that too. Yeah. Where'd you go to school? I went to, uh, I actually just finished at CSMB. I bounced around, uh, Cal Poly and then, uh, San Francisco state and then finished at CSMB. That's awesome. Which is great because I didn't, you know, it was a place for me to work right? and put, uh, you know, tools in my hands again and not be, you know, bouncing around and, and really just sit down and focus on working in school at the same time. I would imagine that a lot of those skills are transferable in the same way that if you want to build a half pipe, you want to get some guys who know construction in your yeah. backyard to do it. You, know, you want to get people who know how to 
draw the right angles and just ha- have that um, that like tactile yeah. relationship with their bodies and their ability to build something. It's such a satisfying thing to do, man. Like oh, as, as we as that part of ourselves recedes away further and further, and it becomes easier and easier to just have something sent to your house, easier and easier to call someone up and hire them to fix your toilet. I think that um, it, it, there's a kind of uh, I feel it in a lot of ways. Like there's a kind of embarrassment that comes along with that. Like I'm a 28 year old man and uh-huh. I like still call my dad when the washing machine breaks. <laughs> Shit. I am not a kid anymore. I need to learn this, but to, to have someone teach you a skill that you can do with your hands is a very empowering feeling. Yeah. I, you know what I think it is mostly too is people can do things with their hand. You practice, you know, like if you just pick up a planer and you go to shape a surfboard, like my first one the board sucked. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to, I knew how to plane a door. I didn't use a planer hundreds of times already. It wasn't a big deal to pick one up and pull the trigger, but, um, you learn different ways to do things. So there's a repetitive nature to it, but I think the underlying, um, uh, the underlying philosophy there is that you're just trying, right? You got to just do it. You know, when my truck broke down when I was 16, you know, my dad made me buy my first one, my first work truck. When it broke down, he's like, okay, there's the tools. There's the garage. If you need help, you can ask, but you're doing this. Like you're not taking this thing to a mechanic. You're fixing it yourself. It's going to happen. Yeah. So teach I, I me on the that, fish. That's, that's it. You know, that's, um, just, ha- just believing in yourself and being able to put tools to, to trade is, 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 it's just all in your mind. Dude, I have a buddy who's a bow hunter, mm-hmm. taught himself how to bow hunt, went out on a hunt by himself, shot a pig and then pulled up a YouTube video of how to field dress a pig while he was why out not? in yeah, the field. Why not? Go for it. And Send he's it. a great hunter. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is the mindset, man. Lifelong learning. Yeah. You get, bet. get that ego out of the way. The thing that also is cool about... Can I sidetrack for a second? Sure. Do you, do you hunt? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Awesome. I, yeah, I bow hunt. For the last two years, I've gotten really into it. Um, yeah, I was doing a documentary out uh, in Hawaii on the impact that wild pigs have on coral reefs mm-hmm. uh, through land erosion. A lot of the, the after it rains, the mud goes down, it blankets the coral, and, okay. and they need sun to survive. So there are a lot of groups in Hawaii who uh, set up fence lines around um, these sensitive watersheds and encourage hunting in the area. And I was like, damn, this is cool. So I pitched a story, and we and we went out there, and a good buddy of mine, whose name's Justin Lee, who's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Black belt hunter, total badass. I've I've had him on the show a couple times. I've never heard anybody say black belt hunter before. That's he's awesome. like, I mean, <laughs> hunting's one of those things where it's really easy to make it look impressive. Yeah, because you can shoot a bow and it hits the target. Yeah. But to get to that whole next level of engagement with it, with, that he has that he has attained. You know, he's been doing it since he was nine years old. Um, it's just impressive to watch. Yeah. So I so I got a bow. I got my hunter's safety done. Um, learned how to do it and, and have actually had a, a bunch of kids in Santa Cruz too, who have gotten into it as a result. Awesome. So he, so Justin invites me out to the big Island and, and we go on hunts, um, seasonally. And I've gone on hunts also in, uh, in Santa Cruz. Like I have a tree stand set up for deer right awesome. now. And, um, I've shot pigs down in Paso Robles on some That's ranches where I grew down up there. Doing it. It's awesome, man. It's freaking great. There's so many too. And they're so huge. many. Well, and for some me being a, a beach kid, having an excuse to go out into the mountains and learn this whole new skill set of being able to, you know, read the wind and, yeah. um, you know, just predict where the animals are going to be is really fun because if I were to tell someone 
you know, what is California like? What's Santa Cruz like? I'm going to say, oh, well, go to the beach. It's amazing. But also go up into the mountains, yeah. go to the redwoods. And that's a whole part of our landscape that I have never really had the excuse to engage with. Yeah. I always thought hiking was kind of boring. Yeah. But to have a purpose and yeah. go out there and then should be able to shoot a pig, have that intense engagement and, and feel everything that, that comes with it. And then go to Coralitas uh, and butchery, know where your food came from. Know where my food know came from. Go came get from. some jalapeno mm-hmm. cheddar sausages and have meat for the next three months. I'll give you some sausage on your way out if you yeah. want. Like I can give sausage to all my podcast guests, yep. guests, which is one of my favorite fucking things in the world. Yeah, it's rad. So yeah, that's a tangent. But um, do you feel like? Um, do you feel like? You know, kind of like marrying the two together. Do you feel like that? Uh, kids these days are not really like that. Brought into a world where you're using your hands all the time. You're going out. You're hunting. Do you feel like? they're kind of lacking a little bit. I mean, I'm not, I'm not old by any means, but I know that I'm still a kid myself, but like growing up, you know, having hand tools in your hand was important. Uh, learning how to hunt was important. Um, you know, working in the trades and, and, you know, keeping your truck clean and making sure that all your stuff was in order and, and having that kind of attunement with both land and, and everything that you're doing on a daily basis. Yeah. Well, it was, I mean, that's the way uh, I was brought up, period. Yeah. Well, I, I think that probably a lot of people who, who listen to this show identify with that. Um, and I'll tell you this, I interviewed a guy named Wallace J. Nichols, who mm-hmm. wrote the book Blue Mind, mm-hmm. a really smart guy. And we were talking about this um, necessity to engage with nature, mm-hmm. to have a life where you thrive. And he said, um, you know, this isn't this isn't scientific, not making any big claims here, but he's like, you know, I have, uh, he said, you know, I think I've had like, uh, like f- 10, 10 or 11 friends who are authors, um, and maybe f- half of them committed suicide. And the ones that all committed suicide did not have a deep relationship with nature. Heavy. He's like, I'm not saying that, uh, I might be kind of muddling his words here, so I apologize, Jay, if I am. But he basically said that, yeah, he thinks that for us to just not go crazy, we need to interface in that deep way. Um, And I think that for me, like what hunting does, what all whether surfing, hunting, diving, just being in the outdoors, um, it gives you a really honest reflection of who you are and forces that kind of personal conversation. in a way that I think is really helpful because we're all here for this short amount of time and we are all engaging. We're, we're all doing things that allow us to learn about ourselves, hopefully. Yep. And we all know people who are constantly, they're lifelong learners, they're seeking. And then we know people who are stagnating. And if you're not learning, you are dying. Yeah. And I think that, that nature can um, allow us to learn about ourselves in a way that, that very few, few mediums can. Um, I think that that kind of personal conversation is really important. That's another reason why I really enjoy talking to big wave surfers is because when you're surfing big waves, there's a very personal conversation that ensues. It's a very, very honest one. Um, in a world where it is really easy to lie, it's really easy to to create false stories about yourself and false stories about how you're engaging um, just about where you are in the world. Yep. Like it's, it's really, it's, it's way easier to, to just think that, yeah, your boards are rad and there's nothing that you can be doing better because you're the shit. Yeah. But the second that thought comes into your mind, you've stopped learning. Yep. There's a, there's a bigger picture there for sure. There is. And, um, yeah. And I think that for me hunting too, like food is just such a, such a, 
primal part of how this whole thing works and to feel the sadness of killing an animal it's like whew, those when you shoot yeah, it's when heavy. you shoot a pig like those things don't want to die they're not just no. like come yeah take yeah. me now i'm yeah, ready no, they're like well when you're face to face with one too that's still on the ground you're not you know it's, it's like you know, I'm sure I, I'm not a big wave surfer. I would never proclaim to be one. I, I have surfed, you know, larger surf before. But um, when you come face to face with a pig that's in a bush and it's just you two and you got to put that thing down and it doesn't want to, you're, you're small. Yeah. You're small at that point, especially if it's, you know, 150 plus pound pig. It can hurt yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that people who uh, are in the outdoors a lot, people who really push themselves and and get bitch slapped by nature on a consistent basis. um, are also just more relaxed, more humble, They're just more, more chill. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's really healthy for people to, to push themselves and do things that scare them. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, speaking of which thing that's been fun about hanging out with you recently and, and talking more about surfboards is that I find that I am paying more attention to the way that I am surfing in different yeah. ways. I think that like in, in the way that, um, you can stop learning about any aspect of life. There was a period when I stopped becoming really curious about my surfing. Yep. You know, I had the five eleven shortboard. I would look at the waves. I'd say, Oh, it's shitty. I'm not surfing. Oh, it's good. I'm going to go surf rather than figuring out a way to have fun. Even when the waves were bad. Yeah. Um, and that's been really cool for me. Like over the, over the last year, um, learning how to play in the ocean in all different kinds of conditions, whether I'm foiling or longboarding or on a high performance shortboard, um, it's like I, I feel like I'm learning a new instrument. And it, yeah. it's also embar- I'm embarrassed to say that uh, I've still never shaped a board. <laughs> no, well, we should do it together. Let's do it. We I would love it together. to. I would love to. That would be super fun. I think you'll learn. I, I think it'll be another step uh, in, in progressing your surfing too. It's That's one of the things that I like about the job the most is, is working on other people surfing. You know, like just yesterday I had someone come in and, and we talked about where they are with their surfing, uh, what, what boards they're riding, what models they've liked the most, you know, what they're feeling when they're surfing that board. And this person's like, you know, I want to step down and I want to start being a better surfer before while I still have the time to do it. And that's my favorite conversation to have with people. And, um, you know, I think that the way that our boards are constructed kind of lends itself to making an accessible board that's in the shorter, thinner range, just by the materials themselves, just in general. But um, with that's epo- a fun, with, with epoxy, yeah, I mean, and, yeah. But that's a fun conversation to have with people, and that's what I love about it the most. So uh, the more that you have that conversation, I think you will actually be a better surfer too, right? Because you're more in tune with what's under your feet and what you're feeling and and what you're doing with that piece of equipment, and you know why you're doing it. At the time that you're doing it. It's also really important, too, because yeah. like when you have a shitty board under your feet, yeah. like the rest of life is a little bit more gray. Like, what is wrong with me? Yeah. I feel like I have the flu or something. And like you may that. not know it. It's like you have the flu. Yeah. Don't you know, it. know it. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you get back on a board and then you're like, why is my sex life better? Yeah. <laughs> I know that like, you know, our range is mostly shortboards, right? Like our range is it really, if you look at the range, it's, it's high performance surfing. And I really, um, I don't really have, I don't really get kicks out of, you know, building like fat chunky fishes. Yeah. You know, our, our fish that we just made is, is thin. It's rockery. Um, it's, it's intended to feel closer to a thruster than like a fish that you would get from you know, anyone, you know? Um, it's not, but you know, I feel like I learn, uh, more about those things, but I get those those bits of engineering from also trying new things. Hmm. So for you, I really feel like you should try a lot of different boards as much as possible whenever you can, but not enough to like mess up your serving. Right. But, right. but try new things and then think about those things when you're coming up with 
a design, you know, like when we get further along in the relationship and we're building a board that's specific only to you that may, you know, one day see market, you know, you, you'll have a lot of different influences in your bag when you come to the shaving bay Then you'll think about what, okay, like this situation or like, Hey, I'm going to Mexico. Like, you know, I'm, this is the quiver that I, that I want to bring when you get dialed in. Like when I just came back from Mexico, I only brought two boards. That was it. I what didn't anything else. I brought a, um, I brought the first super tramp that we ever made. It was a five, five, 19 and three quarter, uh, like, uh, just like a heart swallow fish twin fin. Um, it had a little bit of a hip in it, which made it really radical to surf. Um, what do you mean by hip? Like, uh, right ahead of the fins were, you know, I think most people put them, um, it, it basically is just a kink in the outline that narrows the tail at a dramatic, uh, at a dramatic angle and it changes, uh, the water flow and it changes it makes like a pivot point in the outline. So you're compressing water quicker and then you have this pivot point ahead of your back foot that allows a place for you to pivot on top of also your front fins right between your feet. Hmm. So, um, that's just the basics of it. I mean, there's a lot more that goes into it. I think they really alter the way that a board works in like kind of a radical way, but putting it in a fish was kind of new and it wasn't something that I hadn't done before. We kind of blended it away in the latest model because it was getting a little radical and a little, it almost like wanted to only work in good ways. So, um, but there's still a hip in, in this one. So I brought a five, five, one of those. And then I brought a uh, ham two, which is our newest shortboard for average waves. And I made a shorter, wider one for myself. And those are the only two boards I brought. And, um, although we didn't score, you know, I still had fun with those two boards and, you know, just kind of like have, shaping my boards and knowing what they're capable of. And then kind of learning my surfing through the whole process. You know, I've been able to kind of eliminate a lot of boards out of my quiver where, you know, like a rounder board, like the nugget, you can pretty much use that for anything that you have. But I knew what specific boards I, I wanted to bring and I knew where, uh, where I would most likely be surfing. And then I literally rode the fish when it was small and I rode the fish when it was even double overhead. Did you guys go straight to Selena Cruz? Yes, we did. Cool. So you had mapped out that trip in advance and and uh, booked the tickets, went ahead and prayed for waves? We had to do it ahead because I'm so busy. So I had to do it six <laughs> yes. months in advance. So we didn't really like score. We got great waves the last three days and the rest of the trip. You know, I can't really like damn the trip too much because, you know, I, have you ever been to Selena? Uh, I have. I've. Dr- I spend a lot of time in Port Escondido. Yeah. So sometimes I'll drive down for mm-hmm. a swell. I haven't spent a ton of time down there. I'll just like pop in and and go surf one of those points. Um, but I haven't done the full Selena cruise trip where you fly into Waltulco and book the. Did you guys fly into Waltulco? Yep. And then yeah, and you trip. Then you uh, book it. I mean fuck those waves are amazing when they're on but it takes a big swell it's like it does but there's more nooks and crannies than i thought right like you know where like in santa cruz you guys have point breaks then you have specific places that you go to surf maybe you guys have flat days and then maybe you guys have really pumping days where like you know we're like south of you we're pointed towards alaska until you get all the way down to big sur where you're pointed south right right so um we we kind of have this lucky experience especially for a shaper by the way like where you have multiple different waves at all times and you can surf 365 days a year but the waves are always going to be mediocre or they're going to be really really good so you learn how to surf nooks and crannies figure it out read wind read swell 
if you don't know those things, you're never going to surf in our zone. Yeah, well, it, it shows because you have guys like Johnny Kraft and Dane yeah. Anderson who are very quick surfers. Yeah. They're very like, da, da, you know, they can yeah. fit in a lot of turns in a very short amount of time. Uh, whereas in Santa Cruz, it's it's it develops surfers who are a little bit more drawn out. Yeah. You have like a Bud Freitas yeah. or, or one of those guys who can surf a point break really beautifully. And it's a different it's a different tempo. It's a yeah. different music. It's a different instrument that yeah. you learn how to play. But I do think that um, a lot of our surfers really suffer by only surfing point breaks because it's yeah, so totally. pre- so predictable. Yeah. Um, it's the same reason why Brazilian surfers are crushing it now is because they learn how to surf these fast little punchy beach breaks and they can yeah, fit when a close out is your home break. Exactly. You're, you're, and you learn how to make that happen. Then yeah. you can make it happen pretty much anywhere, I think. But um, but so, yeah, we having that knowledge going down there, we were able to find like little pockets of magic, you know, like yeah. going farther south. We got some sick waves down there when we didn't expect it at all. We we're just kind of like bumming around and, you know, you're poking around from little nook, come around the corner and like, what? No, there's this? plenty of waves down yeah, there, man. It's, it's I, I went down there two Two or three years ago, I went down with um, my buddies Kyle Boothman and Austin Smith Ford. Yeah, they were just arriving when I was leaving. Yes, so so these guys, together. they're they're my friends uh, from from Santa Cruz growing up, and they're doing a, I think a six month road trip all yeah, the way down sick. through Mexico. I've and been they following been the whole thing. Scoring, yeah, they, scoring. Oh my god, they everywhere some they root go. Ones down with them too. What? They brought some root ones down with them too. Yes. Yeah. Kyle that's bought awesome. a prom night. Got cool. some bombs. I know. I saw it. Sick. I saw that. We've been texting a lot the whole trip. That's great. I love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped they actually did it. But So we did a trip down there uh, to Selena Cruz a few years ago, and we met this local guy who was like, oh, we know of, I know of this other point that you just need to hike to. So we, we went down this like, bumfuck nowhere little trail. Mm-hmm. We hiked along this beach for like three miles up over this 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 big mountain, like mm-hmm. a long cactus and stuff. Yeah. And... Uh, we did the same. It's pretty hilarious. Austin didn't bring shoes. and Oh, heavy. Yeah, it was heavy because we started at like 9 a.m. And then by the time we got there to this wave, we were, we were the only ones there. Super fun, right-hand point break. Because it's just setup after setup after mm-hmm. setup. Surfed, had a blast. Started walking back. And by this time, it was like 2 p.m. Mexico hot. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't have shoes. And we were walking up over this mountain. And... There were like, <laughs> like cactus and fire ants, and the ground was like 150 degrees. So he had to rip his t-shirt in half yeah. and make these little moccasins out you of his you. t-shirt. And those thorns are buried in the sand, and you don't see them. If they get you, it's like worse than an urchin. It goes straight through you. It's like so a nail. funny, man. And that so that video, I think it's called um, Yave la Yame la Vuelta. It's like take me to. Uh, but anyway. Our, buddy uh perry gershkow made the film yeah i love um, perry he's great he's so funny but um our friend kyle is a he's was that the video where they shaved perry's eyebrows off exactly yes oh my god yeah they shaved perry's eyebrows off and they shaved my mohawk because we lost in this game we were down in puerto for like a month that was i loved that clip i didn't see it until last year yeah those kinds of trips are so important man you'll get that when you go down there i mean we stayed at josh's uh, at Los Palmeras, which mm-hmm. is a great place. They they got it all fixed. Yeah, up Josh Molka. He's riding your boards too, right? All the time. Yeah, we talk awesome. all the time. Yeah, no, it's... He's the one who designed the board that you have, that right. you liked. What's that one called? The John Doe. The John Doe. I really like that the one. The nameless I, board. It went yeah. nameless for so long, we ended up just you know putting a toe tag on it and saying this is John Doe. Yeah, I've been really happy with that one. Um, yeah, so Boothman, he's a, he's a sweater. Like, mm-hmm. we, I've, I've slept... 
in more beds with Kyle Boothman than I have probably with my girlfriend because we do surf trips a yeah. lot and we're always cheap and yeah, we'll yeah. just like share a bed. Yeah. And our body, like I'm a little skinny guy and he's a little thicker. So our like he always wants it way colder and when he's out in the sun he just immediately starts dripping sweat and there's this scene in the movie where i'm like i'm heckling boothman for just always raining sweat yeah and he told me recently he was like dude i was in indonesia like a year later and this little indo kid comes up to me pals like he goes you're kyle boothman you're the one with the bad sweat no way <laughs> it's funny how those little clips get out like that yeah it's it's really interesting what uh what sort circulate videos do well and yeah it's it's cool, man. I love I love surf films. I think that um, people don't spend enough time outdoors, and sp- people don't spend enough time being kids. So as much as you can go out and have a good time with your your friends, you'll look back on life and those those moments in life with a kind of reverence yeah. that y- you don't. Um, it's just it's important to think about how you're going to reflect on a situation when you're 90 years old in a rocking chair. Yeah. Totally. And that trip is like, fuck, that was a blast. We went down and got barreled and shaved Perry's eyebrows. (laughs) I got a wild haircut. It's like high school times too. Yeah. 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 And as much as you can keep those little parts of, uh, of adventure in your life, um, I think that people, it, it, it can provide energy for you to propel you forward. We all need these little like moments of, Mm -hmm. of sparks of inspiration to, not go fucking insane, man. It's it's crazy. This is what's crazy to me. How close we all are to insanity. Yeah. I feel bet. like we're like... I feel like th- I am right I on I feel the like edge. I'm like three or four decisions away from insanity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have like two jobs, right? Yeah. With, between Route 1 and construction, and then I have two kids, and one of them's only one. Wow. And we live in Carmel, which is not a cheap place to live with all that going on. So yeah, we're right on the edge. It was This was actually my first surf trip in eight years. So I felt like it kind of like broke up, you know, the... like you know, the ice was starting to crack and it was just like, Oh, let's, let's let's (laughs) really quick, which is great. But, um, and actually on this one, I, we were supposed to be, we're kind of working with a Waco right now to put a board package together for them, which is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Taylor Paul's company. Yeah. Explain what a Waco is. It's a really cool idea. Uh, basically it's almost like the cleanest platform before of like a try it before you buy it, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of, kind of a scenario with, with surfboards. You can actually just, you know, pay your monthly fee and you can just go pick up a board, have it for five days and return it. And if you don't like it, Traded in for a different one. So and these if you guys like it, you can call the shaper and order one. And they have facilities all around the world mm-hmm. in surf destinations. They do. It's just like getting a snowboard when you go skiing. That's so cool. And they have one at Los Palmares. And so I got to go there. Well, I was supposed to like bring a whole coffin of boards down there. And then um, I was I was kind of talking to the boys over there, and I was like, you know, this is I haven't been on a surf trip in eight years, and they kind of agreed that maybe our timing was a little bit off too on, on bringing boards down there for the you know season ender. But um, but I got to just go and like not make it about work and just focus on what I was writing. And try other boards, right? Like, I think it's important, like I told you before about trying other boards. It was fun for me to try other boards too, you know, and get your feet on a soft top on a small day, you know, try a fish, try a, a board from the shaper, you know, and, and put your own feedback, you know, into somebody else's shape and then think about that while you're shaping another board. Um, you know, I, I think that getting on new stuff is really important. And I got to focus on just those things by myself and uh, and just and focus on my surfing and practice, you know, turns and like being on a wave similar to Santa Cruz where you can, you know, make a bottom turn, do a top turn, bottom turn, and then like focus on your own tactile way of surfing. Um, and then really push like my, my, my boards and how they compare to others. And, and that was fun. 
that was that was great to be able to do that. Yeah, and the difference between taking two boards on a trip and five boards on a trip is yeah. massive. Two yeah. boards is like, oh, you're in the it's a little manageable bag. But if you're trying to take five or six surfboards on a trip, which I've done many times, because yeah. if you go for a swell, it's easy to break two boards in a day. And then after four, I, I mean, I've gone on week long trips where I broke six surfboards. Like at a, at a heavy beach yeah, break. I could just, see that at Puerto. Yeah. Oh, you're going to lose everything. It doesn't it matter yeah. how thick the glass job is or anything. Those boards just break down there. But um, to be able to, for those guys to be solving the problem of surfboard travel is amazing. Because when I think about the moments in life when I have felt the most helpless, mm-hmm. it has been in airport security lines when they open up your bag and they're like, oh, you have six surfboards. Uh, that'll be $150 per board, sir. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. And you're like, oh, I I think I just shit myself. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and if you don't have, you know, the backup from sponsors or whatever to to help you out with that, that's a heavy that's a heavy cost. Yeah, because you're not working that day. It's not like you're making money to no. pay for that on that day. No, you know. So. Um, yeah, I, I, it's awesome, man. I hope that that um, that works out. So, do they work with different shapers? So they work with yeah. There's a lot, and they're working with you as well. Yeah, we just we just uh, we're just in the talks of it right now. Fuck yeah, in the middle of it right now. It'll be fun. That's super cool. Um, so you ship these boards out to Changu, Bali, or something like that. Then they have the they have the shapes out there. You pay your monthly fee. And then you get to go out there and you don't need to bring boards on your trip. Uh, if they have them there, they yes. Them. Okay. Like if you go to Selena Cruz, you could literally go there without any boards at all in a bag. And in as long, you, you could check ahead of time. Like you don't have to just go there and guess. You could look at the stock list and look at what's rented at that time and then say, okay, well, you know, I want to rent, uh, you know, a 510, you know, uh, CI fever. There's one sitting right there. Did you say that you're also working with the guys? Um, I may have misheard you, that you're working with the guys who, um, have mealworms that can digest foam. Yeah, we've kind of been uh, talking. There's also a, crazy a factory. Shit, there's a factory down south who's starting to implement it too. The, I, I think the technology is kind of behind a little bit, and but we've talked a lot and we've met and we've met in Southern California and we really discussed it. And um, it's kind of a matter of like getting the facilities together to be able to to process that much foam. I think I think that the scalable part of it is is hard, but yeah, I mean you can totally they eat it and you can use it to. Uh, plant flowers in those I, are the those are the things that uh, that uh we aspire to be like as um as a company i feel like um maybe all these technologies aren't quite there and 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 people will shit on them all the time and you know they'll say you know like well this board just doesn't work or whatever well okay well you know we, we've solved the engineering issue like I, I don't think anybody should have an argument either way about um whether epoxy works better or poly there's times when one is the other but I've kind of found that, like, even on our step ups, the epoxy works great. You know, it, when is this? When is that conversation going to end? Kind of thing. But, um, but as the uh, the chemistry and the technology evolves, you know, I want to be on the forefront of that. I want to be pushing that. And if you're not trying, then you're not helping those those causes succeed. Right. So if you just keep going back to what you built yesterday because it worked better, how are you going to make something better tomorrow that's more sustainable? You're not. It's never going to happen. That's a loser's mindset. Yeah. If you're not, and if you're not helping, you know, the guys that sustain surf, you know, forward their program by, you know, signing up figuring it out, you know, putting all the process together, let them do their job and listen to what they have to tell you because, you know, you're not the chemist. Your, your job is to engineer surfboards and then, and figure out with them, you know, how to make these things all work, which we've done. Like I have zero qualms about what we're doing. I think that our boards perform better than a lot. And I, I, I truly can say that. And, you know, having somebody like Johnny, who's so particular, 
if he says it works, trust me, like it, it works. Yeah. So, um, so I think we're beyond the engineering part of it. It's just, it's just having that mindset going into the first step that you're designing that surfboard before you even touch the phone. And look, if surfers aren't at the forefront of sustainable technology, who the fuck is going to be? Exactly. Who the fuck That's is going to be? That's, That's the thing. It's like most people in the world are afraid of the water. Yeah. They see that that big blue mass out there and they're like sharks. I yeah. want nothing to do with that because I saw jaws yeah. and I'm freaked out. So I don't really care about it. I don't care what goes in it. And we're like, the, we're the only ones. We're the warriors on the, we're the only ones who care about that small seam between yeah. society and the wild where so much of the ecosystem is, is occurring. Yep. Um, so if we can be on the forefront of the issue of an issue like plastic pollution, why not? Because yeah. basketball players aren't going to do it. So we should figure out a way, ways for our products to last more longer. I, I, I think that if you're building a product, you should be thinking about those things and you'd be foolish not to. And, and at some point I feel like, well, okay. So like, and maybe this is a really dramatic and extreme example, but you know, at one point the state of California came to us as contractors and said, you're not using this kind of paint anymore, period. So figure it out. Right. When are they going to do that? You know, and when are, when are they going to start regulating things? You know, are you talking like, about lead paint? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, lead paint was just a no brainer because it's just toxic, but I mean like no oil based paints, like everything that we use is water-based. We were already doing it before that happened just because we're, we, we carry that same mindset to construction too. But, but I mean, you, you kind of like, it's kind of good business practice to be ahead of those things, you know, to be ahead of the curve on those, I feel like, but yes, yeah, so you're not I don't dragging that, your heels as the new yeah, regulations. That, that's come a super dramatic thing to say, but I, I think that it is kind of important, but, but if you don't jump on it early, you're not helping the institutions who are coming up with those ideas and pushing that technology and building that technology and forwarding it. You're not helping them do their job either if you're not supporting them. So like, you know, one of the cool things that like our boards are starting to wind up in shops, you know, like we're, we're, we're growing and I'm trying to slow it down as much as I can, but you know, the, the boards are, the boards are starting to sell, which is great. You know, it's, it's, it's super fun, but like, we don't want them to go everywhere and we kind of want them to all to stay in that envelope of, of, uh, of the style of surfer that we cater to. And then the environment that we want the boards to be in, like the guys at proof lab are amazing. You know, you can go to proof lab and you can order any custom in Northern California from them. You, we have tons of boards on the shelf. They keep a steady stock of them and the guys from sustain surfer are in there all the time. And so that little circle, you know, is a great place for us to live in where everybody's in support of the other person's, uh, uh um, you know, uh, goals. Yeah. Right? And if you surround yourself with company that's like-minded, you, you can get there. And I feel like we're getting there. I really do feel like we're getting there. And and hopefully by next year, our shop will be completely zero waste. You know, that's the first conversation that I talked to Sustained Surface. You know, hey, you guys are working with Ryan down in Southern California who has a, an almost zero waste facility. He's also got, you know, uh, the mealworm food thing going and, you know, okay, so what other things could we be doing? What other things could I be investing in to make sure that our shop is the same or maybe gets there first? You yeah. know, like I want it to be zero waste. There already is zero VOC in our shop. You can have your kids in there. It doesn't matter. They're not going to be exposed to anything toxic, you know, that's just floating through the air. We can have, you know, we can sell boards right out of the front with uh, a clean conscience. We can travel to Mexico with boards that we know are not just, you know, going to be, uh, you know, a toxic minefield one day. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, the word that stands out to me is conscience, right? Yeah. Like we were talking about hunting. We're talking about this, you know, how can you merge as much as possible what you are doing 
and how that is interfacing with the world. Like yeah, how can you, you how can you lead the examined life? Because at the end of the day, no one knows how long we're going to be here. Like I could walk out this door tomorrow and die, and I hope I don't, but I might. And I'm going to leave some kind of legacy here. Yep. I'm going to I'm going to leave a legacy of things I said, people I interacted with. Yeah. Sh- shit I bought. Like my grandparents just died. I'll tell you what part of their legacy is. It's all the stuff in their house that yeah. they have. Yeah. And I think that when we're we're constantly materials are part of our legacy, whether mm-hmm. or not we like it. So we live on this finite planet. And right now we're operating on a linear system where yeah. we, we extract, produce, consume, dispose. Yep. So as Annie Leonard loves to say, we cannot run a, a, a linear system on a finite planet forever. So from a philosophical That's a level, great point. from a philosophical level, getting to zero waste um, is part of your legacy. And, and I like the, like the legacy of just trying to leave the campsite a little bit better than you found it. Like, yeah. I don't need to be like, this is my flag. I did all this. Like, dude, be a little more zen about it. Yeah. Go get a few barrels, make some good friends, cook meals, and then die. I think... <laughs> hey, <laughs> don't formaldehyde your body <laughs> and fucking put it in a sealed, airtight gasket yeah. because you're so afraid of death. Yeah. Dress up as Superman and get dropped out of a plane. (laughs) Be graceful about it. I think one of the other things, too, is just uh, like consumer education. You know, like maybe I I think one of the things is, uh, you know, I don't I don't really like to uh, like over market, you know, things that we do. Um, You know, we we have, you know, charity foundations that we're working with to take profits from surfboards and give them back to, uh, you know, nature causes. We don't we don't like to like boast about those things or like put that in marketing campaigns. Um, but maybe one of the things we're failing is to tell people like, Hey, you know, if you, if you buy one of our boards and you love it and you bring it back, you get a discount on number two, like every time. And we will recycle that board for you. So you don't have to worry about it. And, um, you can go again on surfing with a clean conscience about what you're doing, you know, in the environment and where you're, where you're doing it. And, um, I think, uh, I think, I think that's a pretty solid thing. You know, sometimes we'll even, you know, I don't know, like the guys at the shop, and everywhere are going to shoot me for saying it, but like, you know, we, we think about our products like they're going to last, you know, we want it to last and, and the longer they last, the better they are for the environment. Right. So we glass them right. And I'm right there with the guys all the time, making sure that they're glassing them exactly the way I want to glass them. I glass a lot of the boards myself, shape all the boards myself. I know where all the materials come from. And if you buy one and you, you go out and you ding it the next day, just bring it back. Like if it's, if it's something minor, that's not going to cost us a fortune to do it. We're just going to fix it for you right then and there and get you right back on your way so that you're, you're out there and you know, you're again, you know, not wasting money and time and materials on, on things. So like if you go out and you break it and you know, it's your fault, we're not going to pay for that. You know, don't go surf a dumpy beach break and some board having to bring it back to me. But <laughs> Bro, I went to Puerto and my but, board snapped in half. What's wrong with it? But part of the education is like, dude, do do try to do something with those pieces. Don't just throw them in the trash can at the beach. Like that's kind of a ridiculous thing to do. Don't fold it in half and then stuff it in the garbage can at the beach. Bring it. And if it's made out of our products, we can recycle that shit. Dude, so let us do it. You if, know, if you want to have a sobering experience, yeah. go visit the Buena Vista dump. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like that's pretty heavy. That's it's pretty heavy. Heavy. They don't have to be there. Like that's not how it has to be. It really isn't. And you know, and you can, 
you know, I kind of did this like sneaky thing with uh, the dudes at Preflab and um, Cody, who works there, who's who's just amazing. I think everybody there is just incredible, and I love the relationship we have there. It's the it's the perfect environment, you know, for uh, for selling surfboards, and and they're mindful of everything that I'm thinking about too. They've got a nice little skate ramp in there too. Yeah, they have a sick skate ramp. Everything about it is just is rad. Their whole their their uh, their surf camp, the Big Dog Surf Camp, is insane. Yeah, dude, there's so many frothing groms that go there. And, um, that's fun. I can't wait to go work it. Uh, so shout out to those guys for sure. But, um, you know, like Cody was like, Oh, you know, I want to try this board. And, and I didn't tell him that I was going to make it out of a straight gold label product, you know, like a sustained surf gold label certified product. We didn't put any stickers on it. We didn't put anything. I just gave it to him and was like, Oh, you know, here's like a standard board. It wasn't a standard board. It was made as green out of all recycled materials and high bio content resin and everything that people are scared of. I made it for him, gave it to him. He loved it. He gave it to somebody else. That person said, Oh, I love it. I want to order a copy of the exact same thing. So that was just like uh, an inert way to say like, told you like this works. Yeah. Like this is not, it's not an issue anymore. Like this, this is something that we can be doing and, and we're trying really hard. You know, maybe we don't talk about it all the time. I don't like try to flood my website or like that's my Instagram smart, with that man. information, Unf- but that is that's the that's the underground. Well, unfortunately, there's a, a connotation that sustainability it, it, it lowers the product, so it's probably better not to tell people. And then if yeah, they like yeah. if they like the boards, great, they'll do it. But I'm I'm a I'm a firm believer they should speak for themselves. I fucking love my boards, and I don't think about them as sustainable. Yeah, like I I just like them. I've been having a blast on them, and, and hopefully that's the way it is. Yeah. hopefully hopefully it, it just kind of that becomes a norm, right? Yeah. Hopefully it's something that people don't have to think about and eventually becomes a norm. But at the, at this point, you know, like, you know, it's not a conversation that I have with everybody when they order custom boards. It's not something that I like screaming about all the time, but maybe now is like the perfect opportunity to tell people like, Hey, you know, this is the way it could be done. Yeah. You know, like, you know, who's been doing it for a long time actually is, is stretch. Hmm. He's been doing, he's been doing, you know, epoxy boards for a really long time and he makes bulletproof, like amazing boards. You know, I don't think our styles marry, uh, you know, I don't, I don't like making boards like similar to his just for my own, you know, personal preferences, but he's, he's been on the forefront of this for a long time. Huh. And I don't think, uh, I don't, I mean, I just don't hear like the credit, right? But, I mean, he's, does he use bio resins as programs. well? Yeah. Oh yeah. oh yeah. So how do bio resins work? Break that down for me. You know, I don't really know like all of the ins and outs of the, of it, but, um, basically it's just it's it's altering the content of the resin in a two-part you know basically like i mean i i guess you could call it an acrylic you know it's 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 a zero vot zero voc component that um it's like almost unmeasurable you know uh the way it is but they're just raising the content of the resin that can biodegrade right like that's just that's the gist of it from what i've heard but i'm not in their rooms and and that's not information that i think is just going to be given to me but um, but yeah, it's I think O and E is like one of the greatest products we've had in, in surfing, and some other people might not say that, but fuck them. Yeah, you know, if you're not helping, then then don't don't give me some bullshit about why it doesn't work. Yeah, I like the mealworms idea. Imagine if we could scale that up. Thing? Imagine if uh, Amazon Prime got on the mealworm product. You know, like that. That's those are the kinds of ideas that I think about. Unfortunately, like, I think it well, is going to take right that chunk of money. Those are the ideas that I think forward, about when I'm high on mushrooms on top of a yeah. hill and big sir. I'm like, imagine if this is where we start talking yeah, about psychedelics. Imagine <laughs> talk about psychedelics way too much. People are like, shut the fuck up, Kyle. <laughs> we know you think mushrooms can save the world. Yeah. Stop. No, but I scale a bit. The thing that I like about the time that we're in right now is how quickly a good idea can spread. Um, So why not have it come from surfers? Why not have this mealworm idea or sustainable? Like, why not have that scale up and move into different industries? 
like this uh, this idea where where different industries and different different ideas have sex and then they blend and yeah. they take the best i think is one of the best parts about podcasting because people all of a sudden now are given permission to dip into different industries that they previously would never go into yeah um and i think that a lot of the problems of today have been solved just not in your industry exactly it, there, there's got to be something there. I, I have found like a lot of correlations between things that we're doing in the construction industry that they're not doing in the surf industry where I'm like, what, really? You guys didn't fucking think about this? Right. Like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, like, okay, like this is ridiculous. This is how things should be done, you know? And there's a lot of things uh, that that um, can use that, um, those outside influences to make uh, surfboard building better. And, and I think what earth technology is doing with the millworms is one of those things where it's like, okay, yeah, look at this. Like this is, this is based off in Stanford study. This is proven stuff. So I saw like somebody just sent me the Instagram link to earthworms eating a fucking surfboard. And I was like, this is gnarly. Like I got to check this out. So I called him and he called me right back and he was like, yeah, next time I'm in Southern California, let's meet, you know, uh, let's go over it. And we talk about it. So we talked like maybe six times about it. And then, um, uh, I don't know if I was skeptical. I just was like, like, you know, when you have those moments where like, maybe you go surf a spot and you're like, ah, oh, that just wasn't as satisfying as that was going to be. I looked at it and I was like, okay, this is a mealworm that's eating foam and the out product can be put in dirt and you can grow whatever you want in that soil. Like this used to be a surfboard. Somebody surfed it. Now it's soil and we're growing plants in it. That is epic. And it's just about, you know, uh, the enzymes in the, you know, implanting the, the proper enzymes inside of the millworm's gut to make them be able to digest it and break down, you know, polystyrene and turn it into a waste product. And they can do it. And um, they use, uh, I, I don't know how, I don't want to get into, uh, he shared with me a little bit how he does it because you can't just do this on your own. Like right. it's not something you can just go out and do and copy it. Um, I guess you could if you really, you know, spent a lot of time figuring it out. But um, he, he's somebody that you would definitely want to talk to. The, the guy's super knowledgeable and he's all about, you know, uh, everything sustainable. And, um, he, when he showed it to me, I was just like, this is more satisfying than I thought this, I could literally just go and grow the vegetables from my garden in this dirt. that used to be a surfboard. It's the sickest thing ever. And I think one day the resins will get there. I think there's a, there's a, you know, there's like a half lives and like a time clock of, of materials that has to be thought about there. Like, you know, if you make a totally biodegradable shell on a surfboard and you put it in the water, what's going to happen? It's not going to last very long, but hopefully it'll get there to where, you know, maybe the, the product breaks down in, in like a five year span, right? Like how many surfboards do you have that you love that you've had for longer than five years, you know, that you're just surfing every single day. Like there's, I don't know, there's, there's a time and place for wall hangers. And so maybe, you know, that could still be there, but I don't know. That's just kind of my thoughts about it. That's where I'm hoping to see it go. Yeah. You know, I've always had this dream that one day I'll make a surfboard and then know that five years from now, that thing is, is in zero danger of, of harming the environment. Yeah. But for the first two years, I got to surf the shit out of it, and it worked perfectly. I'm going to go the opposite direction. If I get a magic board, I'm going to put it in an yeah. air-sealed gasket and formaldehyde the yeah. thing and just put it underground and know that my magic stick will never go away. Know that yeah. that one barrel that I got got spit out. I, it it was one. not yeah. an ephemeral that's experience. Yeah. That board is going to last forever. And 2,000 years from now. you have to let go of. Because it'll just be rotting in your closet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to formaldehyde my body and hug the surfboard. No one will ever let go I of that. The, the one thing, too, that, to really like make a point is that we're, we're not even close to those, to those outcomes. You right. know, like those, all, all these things are really awesome. And, and they're getting there. You know, it's moving forward. There's no reason that, you know, you have to stick to, you know, completely... Um, pollutant heavy surfboards like that that's not 
ness we we're past that now for sure but we're not at a place where you know we're not creating waste right that's just the that's just the reality of it but if you're not uh supporting those industry uh those industry sectors and helping them grow what they're doing and and helping them forward their education over of technology and improving it you're, we're, we're spinning our wheels. Yeah. I want to go check out um, some of those boardroom shows. There seems sick. like a lot of the Scott exciting ideas. Yeah. Scott does a sick job. It was nice. To What's his him. last name? Scott Bass. Scott Bass. Yes. Shout he out. has a podcast. Shout too. out to the Surf Spit Splendor podcast. Surf yeah. Splendor. Yeah. Those yeah. guys. He, Scott does a boardroom show. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to misinform anybody because I don't really like going to to shows mm. but um like i don't like doing those well, it seems things, like a place where a lot of interesting people and cool. a lot of cool ideas are, are having sex but those guys were there at the boardroom show and, and they had a great display that was um i think it was really educational to people you know to see what what it could be you know what we could be doing with this stuff i think it, like i said scale just seems like an issue to me but yeah we someday someday if we're you know we got to get there yeah I, I feel i feel super strongly about it speaking of scale shape of mavericks board man We've shaped some guns and, and we've been doing them out of epoxy also. Yeah. And um, we've been kind of like forcing the issue on it a little bit. And um, I don't know if you know uh, any of the big wave surfers from our area, you know, like our swells are big and powerful, but they're not as good as maps, you know, like it's just the, the bottom line is that way it's perfect. Yeah. So, um, so we haven't made many, there's been a couple that have gone, but, but just we bigger wave boards. Yeah. And we've made them out of epoxy and we, uh, we changed the, we changed a lot of things about it and the way that we constructed it. And we weighed, you know, um, some of the better guns that we've seen from our area and just kind of like checked them out and, and mostly just mostly weight, you know, yeah. weight and distribution. Um, I have a certain way that I like to foil them that I think is a little different than others. Um, you know, I'm, I've always been a big proponent of foam in the back of a surfboard ahead of foam in front of a surfboard. Huh. I think uh, length has a lot to do with that, but I like boards that feel like they pick up and go and then I'm steering. Right. I don't like boards that I'm paddling into something and pushing too hard. Um, I think you saw that on some of yours and I, we, we talked about that. Yes. Yeah. I did feel a little bit differently. You know, we'll have that conversation together. I'll show I you some of the boards in the backyard Mexico. right yeah. now. But yeah, I felt like my, some of my boards were a little too thick in the nose and I was, I've been falling on waves that I shouldn't be falling on because I didn't have control. Yeah. Like when we were building the nugget, I had a really eye opening experience about, you know, foam being too far forward in a board and how that works getting over the ledge and getting something that's foam heavy that still paddles good over mm -hmm. a ledge. And, um, and, and I put that exact engineering into the guns, but, but what we did on this last one, you know, we made a, an 11 or 11, six, something like that. It's like five inches thick. So it was, it, the guy was, his goal was like a 100 footer. Yeah. And, um, he's an excellent big wave surfer. Dude's a gnarly waterman. You got enough rope to hang yourself with an yeah. 11 foot surfboard. And, um, what we did, the, the most important thing was, was I wanted it to be sustainable because we're putting a lot of material back onto the, you know, the planet, you know, we're building something that's going to be around for a long time. I wanted it to be sustainable. So we did it and, um, and, uh, we weighed every layer and we just weighed every layer we shot for, we ended up with a target goal of like 21 and a quarter pounds and we got it like 21 and an eighth pounds. And, um, yeah, he loves it. So I'm excited. It's got a big old beak nose on it. So it does have foam throughout, but, um, I don't know. Just the I, I just had some different experiences with shaping bigger boards like that than most people have. I think like different experiences, not more experience than any one person. You know, you have like the Chris Christiansons out there that are shaping like magic boards all day long. Yeah, you know, by hand. That's not my tactic, but um, he's amazing. But I'm I'm a big proponent of having foam in the back of a surfboard. I feel like there's a there's a displacement and a lift component of going forward and the forward propulsion that happens when a wave's picking you up, and uh, trying to use that to get down the face in a critical spot and then control after that. Um, using, you know, different, like our concaves through the bottom of a, our gun are different. You know, I don't really like panel V all the way through the bottom of a gun. 
even though most have that. You know, we do uh, we do five fin setups and tri fin setups, and we do uh, a lot of concaves and double concaves through the back half of the board, and just some things that I'm I'm stoked on that we've tried and experimented with that worked right off the bat, and we're like, okay, this is a direction that we should go in. Yeah, like this is this is something different that's different than all the boards that we have here, and and we have boards from all around the world, you know, at our access in our zone because the waves do get big all the time. You yep. know, they they get huge all the time, and so you kind of have to have something that's uh, a life preserver and a and a performance machine. So it's kind of nice to be able to to get all that experience. We have guys that charge. Malachi, I so enjoy geeking out with you, man. Yeah. This is fun. Like We've been going for an hour, but um, where can people get in touch with you? Uh, RouteOneSurfboards.com. Just go on there and, and email any of the links. Um, we have uh, Instagram is the easiest way that I feel like most people do. They just go on Instagram and they just click the email button and it goes straight to the info box. You can find out anything you want to know there. You My can man. even call us directly right from there. So Keep doing what you're doing, Malachi. Thanks, this is man. fun. Thanks, dude. That's our show. I'm going to play you out with a song called Lost in the Ebb by the Getaway Dogs. They are a local Santa Cruz band, and I will link to their band page in the show notes below, as well as on my website, kyle.surf. Kyle.surf slash book club is where you can check out all of my favorite reads. I have a monthly newsletter where I send out the best documentaries I've been watching, best podcasts I've been listening to, best books I've been reading. No spam ever, only great stuff. And finally, thank you so, so much to everyone who donates to this podcast on Patreon. You can click the link below this podcast to donate even just a few bucks a month helps keep this going helps me continue to bring these guests to you every single week if you don't have the cash to support the podcast do not worry just keep listening to the podcast by you listening to this show it allows me to get these guests on it allows me to make it worth it for these guests um, to make time to come on this show every single week so thank you so much for listening thank you so much for sharing the podcast thank you for leaving ratings on iTunes giving me feedback on the show I appreciate it all and until next week much love to you all and I hope you enjoy this song called Lost in the Ebb by the Getaway Dogs Taking the time as it goes.